not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton Podcast. And it's about this time that I say, Mr Johnny Seven, here as always, and I usually say with Mark Mach, but I won't be saying that today because he's not here. I'm hoping he can join me at some point to give some thoughts on uh, the QPR game and the Norwich game coming up. But unfortunately, due to work commitments, he can't be on today's show live. So, down to me, flying solo. And I'm going to get straight to that QPR game. We speculated a little bit on the team lineup, whether there would be any uh, major changes. And I was right in saying that Joel would start in goal and Oviedo would come in and left back. But I think that was down to injury more than uh, just Roberto's choice. We went with Stones and Alcaraz in central defence as Distan and Jags were still out and Coleman at right back as usual. McCarthy and Barry in that defensive holding midfield partnership that they'd been doing so well. And then Osman, Barkley and Naismith came in. And then up top, Jelovic also came in, which was which proved to be uh, the story of the day, really. Uh, big, big Rom dropping down to the bench. Uh, Velios also on the bench for the Blues as well. Uh, QPR's bench, a few players we kind of forgot about. Obviously, Mark mentioned Crankyar last week as his man to watch. They also had Bobby Zamora and our mate Andy Johnson, who got a great reception. Uh, Goodis, back at Goodison, of course. Uh, Richard Dunn was on the bench on Yewu and Ben Ayun, boo. So, you know, a lot of premiership experience there. Uh, quite a strong bench, bench for them. Uh, the game got underway uh, after about a, a 10 minute delay I think uh, when we were walking up County Road it was about about 2 o'clock because we wanted to check out that fan action or fan zone action and not much going on there really but they had that youth box which is a, a band who play ukuleles and Snod's getting ready to give his thoughts on the game uh, but County Road was absolutely dead I mean they had reduced the tickets and th- I think kids were uh, kids' seats were a fiver to get in, so I expected it to be quite busy, not overly like packed like a like a normal game. But um, no, County Road was dead. But it, I mean, it might be that everybody turned up at, like at the same time, or ten to ten to three, or five to three, because the game was delayed by ten minutes. As I say, when we finally got underway, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the best start. Not really much going on until um, until. Like Ross kind of took control of the game, picked up a little ball from Oviedo, uh, and a, a great little finish past uh, Cesar in the goal, and um, yeah, I mean one nil up. So as is always the case, we hope that QPR will come out a little bit then, because I think you know any team coming to Goodison, especially one from a lower league in the cup, they'd, uh, happy to take a draw and take us back down to their place. Uh, so we were going on towards half time, and then it was a bit of a mockery, really. The bit, the d- defensive shambles, which uh, they had a number of opportunities to clear it. I can't remember which defender it was. I think I think it was uh, possibly Clintella first. Uh, no, it was on- Onua. Again, a defender with Premier League experience was dispossessed. Uh, by Jelovic and he seemed to re- regain control of the ball and then did the worst back pass ever and then it was still outside the box Jelovic still had a man to beat but decided to have a go and put it near post uh, great finish from about 20 yards and Jelovic has uh, found his goal scoring touch again apparently hopefully hopefully it's not just that uh, just against QPR uh, or low, low division clubs and he can Come good. I mean, obviously, anyone who listens to the podcast knows how much I want Jelovic to find his goal-scoring form. And I've still got faith in him. I'm not sure whether Mark still has. Many Blues uh, seem to have lost faith. But, let's, you know, fingers crossed. Anyway, we go in, half-time, 2-0 up, and no threat at all, really. Uh, and it looks like, you know, the, the TV company is the right. No giant killing, no real story at Goodison. QPR decided to shake it up a little bit at half-time and brought on Mark's man to watch, Nico Kankia, uh, for Armand Traore at half-time. And again, pretty much 
the same kind of feel. I mean, we didn't really do, you know, create m millions of chances. I thought Stones and uh, Alcaraz were, were playing really, really well. Alcaraz looks like a real defensive playmaker. Uh, Stones just, just so, so assured on the ball. Jags can obviously fret on the ball a little bit, and same with this uh, this distribution isn't the best uh, most of the time. But these two lads, uh, obviously Alcaraz is towards the end of his career. Well, you know, thirty-one, so he's got a good few years left. Uh, but Stones is such an exciting prospect. Once once he fills out a little bit more, I mean, I think he's going to be in that defence for fifteen years to come, and you know, he could make the England squad in a couple of years. He, I, I mean, he's that good, that good on the ball. There was one slide and tackle where, he, you know, he chased down about 20 yards and uh, not just put it out for a, a, a throw-in, took the ball as well, retained the ball, and then brought it out and played it out again, which, you know, he, he's showing that he, it's something he can really do. Just great confidence. But anyway, back to the game. Uh as I say, started off same kind of same kind, not not overly, uh, not not a whole lot of pressure, but uh, Oviedo picked the ball up in the 68th minute, uh, and put in a, a really like put it on a plate for Jelovic, and Jelovic puts us uh, two uh, sorry three nil up with his second, and there's definitely no way back for QPR. Andy Johnson had come on, got as I said earlier on, got a great reception. You know, it was quite funny because you know you get you get a clap and a good applause, but the good some faithful were also singing, you know, singing the Andy Johnson song as well, which is you know I think we've we've heard on it uh, we've heard earlier on the season the Cardiff fans were singing Aaron's, Aaron Ramsey's name, uh, and I think it's quite refreshing really, rather than uh, players coming to like former clubs and getting booed off the pitch. Sometimes you know. The fit just wasn't right, and know there was time to move on. And Andy had a little good spell with, with Everton, so why not show appreciation? Uh, but Jelovic on a plate anyway puts us three 0 up, and uh, <laughs> would get a, a, what we would call a guilt edge chance. I don't know. Uh, we got a penalty anyway, and Barkley looked like he fancied it, but. Uh, Jelovic managed to convince him otherwise, and up, up he stepped with one of the cockiest penalties you'll ever see. Well, unless you're watching John Stones' penalty against Juventus pre-season. Unfortunately, it wasn't as good a finish as John Stones' and it hit the bar. And uh, it would have, obviously would have been great, but it's, it's just shown that Jelovic maybe has got a little bit of confidence back. Would have been great to, for him to get the hat-trick, but it wasn't to be. And uh, I don't think he got another pass after that. I think Barkley was fuming a little bit. I don't think Osman fancied passing to him anyway. Uh, but there you go. You know, if, some, if, if it had gone in, we would have all been saying, oh, what a cheeky, what a cheeky get and what an amazing goal, what an amazing penalty. But unfortunately, it hit at the bar. I don't think uh, Julio Cesar in, in the uh, QPR goal was too happy because uh, Jelovic spent the rest of the game apologising for making him look like a bit of a tit. Um, we did only have to wait another eight minutes and then we were 4-0 up and once again <laughs> up steps Seamus Coleman with a, another great finish into the top corner I mean he's just making a habit of it I think that's his sixth goal of the season you know he's had a couple of tap-ins the last couple of goals he scores you know the screaming against uh, Swansea away and then the one against um, Stoke was it? No son. One of the S, one of the S teams, Southampton, yeah, where he uh, beat a couple of men and put it in the top corner. Just he's just unplayable at the minute, and you know, I think he's been challenged by uh, Roberto to hit double figures this season. And the way he's going, you know, he might well do it by March. You know, if he carries on in this form, um, unfortunately, or you know, whatever. Anyway, you know, we managed to hold on. <laughs> Not that we were under much pressure, and we uh, we got got the four nil victory, very comfortable. A lot of blues leaving, you know, relatively happy. It, you know, it wasn't like we, we we dominated the game like we did against Sunderland where we lost. But you know, four nil victory and a poten potential banana skin out the way. So yeah, 
bit of a bit of a strange atmosphere at Goodison though. I don't know whether it was because of the late kickoff or because of the kids getting in for a fiver, or maybe a little bit of you know pe- the anticipation of the cup and maybe fearing a little bit of a giant killing. But um, we managed to, to get through like comprehensively, and um, yeah, four 0 So I'm going to pass you over to Mark's thoughts on the game. And then I'll come back on with a little bit more reflection after that. I always thought talking to yourself would be quite easy because mad people seem to do it all the time with no trouble, but it's actually more difficult than it looks. Um, There's my thoughts on the QPR game, really. I'm sure Johnny's going to expect me to fill a good five, ten minutes of this podcast now uh, and give him a break. Um, But I I don't know if I'll be struggling to get more than a minute or two out here. Um, QPR was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Uh, I must admit, going into the game on Saturday, I was a little bit wary. Um, I think I predicted last week on the podcast that I thought we might scrape it, uh, maybe 1-0. Um, but I was wrong. Um, and I suppose I was even more anxious a little bit uh, going into the game when I saw the announcement of the team. Um, Johnny predicted quite a lot of changes last week. Uh, I thought we'd be as strong as possible. Uh, and I suppose it was somewhere a little bit in between. Uh, the main changes was that Robles had come in for Howard, uh, which I suppose is something I semi-expected there uh, due to the fact that that's a lot of things. Uh, a lot of clubs do that in this day and age. Um, they'll give their second-choice keeper a run-out in cup games. So no real great surprise there. Um the other changes, Nate Smith came in in midfield, uh, and the main change on paper uh, was that there was no Lukaku. Lukaku was on the bench, uh, and Jelovic started. Um, so I was a little bit worried about where the goals would come from. Um, you know, our main goal threats, really. Uh, Lukaku out, Morales was on the bench, uh, and the other one who was missing was... Leighton Baines, who was dropped and didn't even make the bench, uh, which started to spark off all sorts of rumours about he signed for Man United, etc., etc. Truth is, I believe he uh, pulled a muscle in his back uh, and just wasn't fit for the game. Uh, But that was the biggest worry I had all day, because as soon as the game started, uh, the Blues just took took over uh, and took control. and upstepped uh, Mr. Jelovic. Uh, we've got to remember he scored 10 goals in his first 16 games for Everton. Uh, but the goals he scored against QPR was the first time he'd scored since March of 2013, which is a long way for a striker. Uh, but two good finishes from Jelovic, two very different finishes as well. Uh, one is first one from outside the box, uh, as we know. Uh, and then the second one, which was a, a real poacher's goal, where, where he slid in uh, the other side of half time uh, and scored one from within the six yard box. Uh, they took us two and three nil up after uh, Ross had opened the scoring for us on 35 minutes in a game that we dominated. Uh, and of course, old Seamus has run the, scored and in, increased, or you know. Is good goal-scoring form at the moment. Um, so, yeah, easy game for the Blues. No major worries coming out of the game. Uh, obviously, we saw a couple of substitutions towards the end. Coleman, Barry and Barkley going off here. Hibbert, uh, Johnny Heitinger, who we all thought was West Ham bound. Uh, and uh, Morales coming on just towards the end of the game. Uh, unfortunately, Tony Hibbert didn't get on the score sheet, which surprised me greatly. Uh, obviously, I was looking for the fifth goal from uh, old Tony there. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards in the, in the FA Cup. Uh, and with Stevenage in the next round, uh, you've got to be happy with that. Well, what I will say is that you know, QPR, for all the, the Premier League quality that they had on the pitch, um, didn't look anywhere near a Premier League side. Uh, Everton dominated possession, I think, over the 90 minutes. It was somewhere up around the 63% mark, which is massive. Uh, I think we had something like 27-ish shots, um, you know, and as I say, it was just total domination from start to finish. Um, so, roll on Stevenage in the next round. Where to note, really, uh, to the substitutions that Roberto made 
In the 81st minute, uh, Tony Hibbert came on for Seamus. And I think that says about the importance of Coleman at the moment. Um, I just think, you know, if the, if, after the players he wants to rest, I think Coleman, the form he's in, I think he's top of the list. Uh, about a minute after that, Heitinger came on for Gareth Barry. So, you know, I, I thought that there was no chance of Heitinger coming on at all because any potential interest from other clubs who were still in the cup might have been, you know, uh, they might have been put off by Heitinger being cup-tied after coming on in this game. Uh, then in the 88th minute, Kevin Morales came on for Ross Barkley. And, I mean, there was no real significance, uh, two out of the three. Uh, the Heitinger one, though, I mean, when he walked off the pitch, uh, those who go to Goodison regularly will know from, you know, past games, Heitinger likes to stay on at the end and, you know, he walks over to the fans, points at them and, you know, if we've won, he says, you know, like, this is for you and claps the fans and it just seemed a little bit poignant this time. It seemed like a little bit of a farewell. So, as we said last week, you know, if he does leave, good luck to him. I, I wouldn't have any any hard feelings towards Heitinger at all. I think if he wants to move on, if Roberto wants to move on, then, you know, it's it's it may be time. You know, we've got two solid defensive uh, players in Stones and Alcaraz who've come in. The problem, you know, the problem might be if they get injured now, who's going to come in for them? But I think distance not far. So oh, we'll, we'll see anyway. Obviously Norwich at the weekend, whether he's in the squad again is another matter. Uh, anyway, we'll leave the QPR game there and we'll come back in a sec with a little bit of Everton news. I'm Duncan McKenzie. I'm not bitter, just better. News! Okay, so first bit of Everton-related news uh, this week is that Thomas Hitzelsberger, who obviously had a short spell with the Blues, has announced today that he is, in fact, gay. So, I, I don't think this is really a new story, but the fact that it, it's making, you know, it's on Sky Sports News, it's on Sky Sports News website, it's on all the Everton pages, the fact that, you know, and he's made, he's made it public because he wants to raise awareness and, you know, m make it, a little bit easier for current players. Obviously, I mean, Hitzelsberger had to retire through injury not so long ago at the age of 31, but he wants to make it a little bit easier for players who are playing at the moment, to, you know, you know, if they if they happen to be gay as well, to come out. Uh, so, as I say, I don't, I don't think it's a news story. I think it's more a news story, the, the fact that, you know, that the time, the, the age that we're in, it's still taboo to discuss this kind of thing. So I say fair play on him if that's what he wants to do. I don't think players should have to discuss the sexual preference. Um, but, you know, as he's doing it for, for a reason. He's, sorry, he's, he's made the announcement for a reason. So good on him. And, yeah, I'll just leave that there. I don't think any, any Evertonians or any real fans of football or sport or whatever, will that, any opinions will change on him at all. So... But yeah, good luck to Thomas Hitzelsberger with what he's with what he's trying to do. If if uh, you know the PFA are looking at how they can uh, make changes to to embrace, you know, or not have the same kind of negative negative view of homosexuality in the game. So yeah. Anyway, the uh, other bit of news: Crystal Palace have now been linked with Jelovic. And as you will have guessed, I don't want to see him go, as usual. <laughs> Once again, we have been linked with a Dundee player this week, Andrew Robertson this week, uh, and also, again, Sutar as well. The Ryan Gall talk has died down a little bit. I think we should just buy Dundee, you know, <laughs> buy the whole club for about a million anyway. Now, uh, it's a funny little story has come out, I think it was from this Roberto's Tea Party, you might have seen some images and footage from it this week. Uh, I think this this quote came from there, but somebody asked uh, whether Ross Barkley was for sale. 
um, and he said no, no to that, which I'll come to in a sec. Uh, and then he asked, who's better, Messi or Ronaldo and Roberto? He always seems to say the right thing, doesn't he? He said Ross Barkley, so well, well done again. Uh, we have been linked once again this week with Tom Ince. Apparently, uh, we are set to meet with him on Thursday, not us, Everton as a club, uh, with, with, uh, with discussions to get a move over the summer, I think it is. I don't think it's going to be an immediate transfer. So Blackpool uh, value him a lot more than we're willing to pay. So it would have to go to a tribunal to determine the fee. And those tribunals, they always seem to work against us. Whether you know, if we're selling a player, we get like you know, two hundred and fifty thousand. But if we're the, if we're the ones doing the buying, then we we have to pay a lot closer to what the uh, the selling club had in mind. So we'd probably end up paying about six million, six seven million or something. Uh, but hopefully, no, you know, we can get him somewhere a lot closer to what we value. I think he's out of contract in the summer anyway, so. I don't really understand it to be honest. I don't. I don't understand how it works. If he's out of contract in the summer, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we want to try and get him in before then, anyway. But talks on Thursday are meant to be taking place. It's sad that I haven't got Mark here to not clarify any of this because he doesn't know. He knows about as much as me about it anyway. Uh, Roberto, as I said before, he has said that Barkley and Baines are going nowhere in this transfer window. So hopefully, you know, he, he's, he's talking the truth there and we, I'm sure he believes he is. It's just whether the board, you know, if we get an offer for a ridiculous amount for either one of them, then it might change the board's mind. So hopefully, you know, we manage to keep hold of both of them. Uh, more about Baines. He is back after having a back spasm at the weekend. You know, when we saw that he wasn't even on the bench, for the QPR game, that's when all the rumours started. Oh, you know, he's off to Man U again. But it just happened that, you know, he, he had a back spasm and had to be rested. But he looks to be coming back for the Norwich game, so that's good. Uh, the Cup, uh, the next round, the fourth round of the Cup, we have been drawn against Stevenage again, which was a funny one. Uh, so Stevenage away, and it will be televised live. Uh, so it's the, the evening game. And it's a 5.30 kick-off on the Saturday of the, uh, the fourth round weekend. And that, to me, says that uh, the TV executives saw that tie and thought, ooh, you know, you know Stevenage pushed them a little bit in the, in the League Cup earlier on in the season. So maybe they can do the same and there might be a little bit of a giant kill in there. So, you know, hopefully we can just get through that one, you know, the way we just, you know, brushed QPR aside. Um, we don't play any silly beggars and, you know, play a ridiculously weak side. We can just get through and then go on to the fifth and then, you know, who knows? Um, I think normally news takes a lot longer than this. But uh, obviously, with no mark to discuss all our, you know, all our, all our options, then it's, uh, it's, it's gone quite quite fast. One other story which we talk about every single week and seem to have mentioned on every podcast we've done so far is McGeady looks safe to sign still he's still not signed for us but it's, it looks like it's going to be a done deal again he's out of contract in January but we're looking to tie up a deal to bring him in uh, sorry he's out of contract in the summer we're looking to bring him in straight away so uh, probably this time next week we will probably have McGeady as an Everton player but we probably <laughs> then again we might end up discussing them for the rest of the season and say he looks to sit every single week up until we finish. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Every week we say that, you know, we'd like to have your feedback and get your views on the on, on the show and this week I actually put out a couple of questions well three questions and had a, quite a good response so I'm going to go through them question by question and you know all those people who got back to me I'll, I'll give you a shout out now and um, I'll try and you know add my views to what uh, to what you've you've already discussed so the first one uh, which I put on a Monday 
Uh, were his two goals at the weekend a sign that Jelovic can still come good for us, or is he finished? Seen loads of people writing him off big time, and I've seen him, seen people writing him off, you know, all season, you know, and the end of last season, and you know, you, you can't really you can't really argue. I mean, you know, a, a lot of the real fan, a real. I'm not saying the people who write him off aren't real fans, but a lot of Blues have willed him to come good. I'm not saying he has completely come good. It was only against QPR, you know. You know, if he, he might not even get a sniff in, in another Premier League game, but uh, I, I really hope he does. And first off, Matty Vickery, who I know listens to the show, he looks sharp versus QPR. His pen, pen attempt showed he has confidence back. Can't see why he doesn't try him and Lukaku up top. Maybe he wants a solid partnership, as you might sell Jelovic and lose Lukaku at the end of the season. No point in starting if they're both leaving. And then again, why would he sacrifice to accommodate them both? End of the day, Yellow is a goal scorer and a decent player. Yeah, a fair point, uh, Matty. I, I think he's a, he's, he's a goal scorer. His record hasn't been good lately. But, you know, that spell when he first joined, where, you know, everything year, first time, went in. I, I just don't think you completely lose that. I think there's been a lot of criticism, which we'll see in a new, uh, few more of the comments. David Moyes had him playing more out on the wing. And, you, you know, and I said, you know, in, in one of the earlier podcasts, every everything he was hitting, he was like going to the ground afterwards. He was putting everything into it. He, you know, he was just so desperate. And as, as I said against Sunderland when he was trying scissor kicks for everything, he just he was just so desperate to make an impact that he kind of wasn't playing his natural game anymore, which is just you know scoring goals. So, you know, I'm hoping he's turned the corner. Uh, Kevin Prescott, I think he's finished. It's all right scoring against the championship side, but the Prem is a different league. I'm hope I'm wrong if he stays. Yeah, fair point again. He's good, it's just there are more younger players coming into the squad. The team are playing faster, and Jelovic doesn't have enough pace to keep it up. That's Nathan Donoghue. Uh, Paul James, give him a run of five or six games in the team, and Jelovic will come good, good again. Moyes destroyed his confidence, and then a little yeah, na 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 Jelovic song afterwards. So. Uh, Frat McKenney, you don't just lose it overnight unless you're Torres, which uh, Torres lost his powers when he cut his hair, apparently. Uh, Gary, Everton, Martin, I think we need him. If Lukaku takes a knock, I know I would rather have him up front than Naismith, and I think that is a really good point. I can't see uh, why Roberta would let him go if we haven't got anyone else lined up. I mean, if you know, if somebody, if we do get this Michi Batchway, then you know, and he, we have him, you know, to choose uh, alongside Lukaku, then that's another you know viable option. But at the moment, if you, you, you've got Velios as a backup, our only real backup striker, if Jelovic goes, otherwise you're playing Morales or, or Naismith out of position. So I don't think anybody really wants to see that. Uh, Stephen Bittell always said he just needs to run a games and gain his confidence back. So I'm, I'm hope, I hope you're right, Steve. Uh, Steve. I really do. Jez Tinston, no, don't sell. Alan Evans, I'd keep him. Form goes up and uh, up and down. Class stays forever. Yeah, it seems to be a popular opinion. Stephen Blue Nose Phillips, I never thought he was finished. For people and for people to assume he was finished was a bit demoralising. Vjelovic, he needed games. You cannot score if you don't play. Coming on for the odd 10 minutes here and there is not good for anybody. His self-confidence when Lukaku came in must have been shattered. Lukaku won't be here much longer, so why get rid? He needs to get his confidence back. And getting the two goals against QPR on Saturday makes him well on his way. Remember people at Jelovic. <laughs> people, Jelovic isn't just for Christmas. So, and again, good point. Uh, Sean Brittles, if we sell him now, we're fucked. No other striker apart from Lukaku. Kone is injured and he's shite. Plus he had... Hardly had his chance this season. Keep him all day. Michael O'Sullivan, to be honest, I'd start him this weekend. He's our player. Lukaku's a lone player. and I love him in brackets. But if it kickstarts the Jelovic again, excellent. And if it's only a movie, he's after he will score again. Uh, Lukaku gets a break. Win-win. So that's a good point. You know, if he's in the side and he's looking to move, you know, he, he might try even harder. Not that, you know... Not that I'd want to see him go, but you know if he, he's playing well and scoring, then it's win-win, isn't it? Nick Larkin, I was of the opinion of keeping until this window on the basis that he gets a few starts. Apart from his goals, his movement and anticipation seem to be coming back. Given more game time to build on his confidence, I wouldn't like to see him leave. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought that Jelovic's movement looks good. It's sometimes the players 
can't give him that through ball, which he kind of needs. Uh, as I said before, Moyes had him playing a lot more wide and you know trying to run onto the ball, and he was playing a lot, a lot of the time on the wing. Whereas I, mean, I think he's more of an out-and-out uh, striker, goal scorer. He does work hard. Sometimes he does go down a little bit easy, a little bit flimsy on the ball. Uh, but you know, he scores goals. Well, he used to, and he used to score goals more often than not. Uh, Lee Mitchell, even before Saturday, when he's come off the bench, he's looked hungry. Uh, look at Robin van P- uh, Persie now; he's so unhappy. I honestly think Moyes is a problem. Yellow was on fire when he came. Then once Moyes got him, ruined him. Plus, we're a better team now. We don't just lump it up to Fellaini's chest. Keep him and get that Yalovic back we all love. Come on, you Blues. Nice. Tom Adams, agree. Agree. Moyes had him run down channels, chasing every ball down because he just loves grafters. That's why Hibbert and Neville stayed in the team for so long. It's not Yellow style. He's a brilliant one-touch finisher, but he looked like his confidence has been wrecked for ages. We'd love to see him come good again. Do think Moyes spoiled most centre forwards we had, and this has been an opinion that's been going on for a while with Blues. Um, you know, Andy Johnson when he came and he was like he was on fire and he did great, and he seemed to go off the boil. And a lot of people seem to think that um, that was the Moyes effect. You know, having him doing things he wasn't comfortable doing, and we know that Andy Johnson was a hard worker. You know, he closed so he closed defenders down a lot, and. His pace was was amazing when he said, well, "You're such an outlet, outlet for the Blues." When the where Yakubu signed, uh, and that's kind of spelled the end for Andy Johnson. Again, Yakubu at some at times was unplayable, but again he went downhill. And is it a coincidence? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, what what about, what about Louis Sahar? I mean, he, he was he never really had that. You know, he scored goals consistently for us when he was in the team, but, you know, he was in and out all the time. And Achibi, you know, he was on fire when he had, when we had that little Europa spell and he'd come on and score a load of goals. I think he picked bad hab- habits off, up off um, y- Yakubu, to be honest. Uh, you know, trying to take shortcuts in the game where he used to be like a bit of, a bit of an all-action, similar to James Vaughan kind of player, close everything down, use his strength... But then he seemed to want to take these shortcuts where he, he went down every five seconds and he turned into a little bit more of a Heskey kind of player. Anyway, uh, Dave Bennett, who sits behind us at the match, uh, he needs a good run. Loan them out would be the best option for everyone. And I put this out on Facebook a while ago. I mean, you know, maybe I think we discussed it last week as well. Uh, a loan spell at somebody like West Ham. And, you know, if he got his uh, scoring boots back, or even somebody in the, like you know chasing promotion from the championship like QPR QPR being linked with them, if he scored a handful of goals for them or a bag full of goals for them and then came back in with the confidence back, then you know I think it'd be better than letting him go permanently. Gareth Hardy, big mistake letting him go in my opinion. Gary Murphy, keeping him playing. Lukaku too lazy. Just my thoughts. So, I mean, that's going to be a little bit controversial amongst Evertonians because I think Lukaku's still held in high regard. I've seen the odd one or two posts, though, lately saying that he's not doing enough. And me and Mark have discussed this a lot. You know, he, he scored that one goal. It's one goal in about six or seven games. His overall game hasn't been great, but he, he is a constant threat and he does draw team, like defence. You know, he upsets defenders just by being on the pitch because they know how good he is. So... It's a tricky one, that one. I mean, I'm not going to slag Lukaku off. And it may sound like I'm kind of against him, but I'm not. I just know how good he is and I know how good he can be. But I still think he's a a threat every game, even when he's not playing well. Uh, Connor Rawstone, I think Yellow was rushed into the squad. Scored lots lots in the first season, was expected too much of. Uh, Gary Chatton, I would have kept him before us to goals at the weekend. Keep him or we will regret it. Paul Clark, I haven't wanted him to go, and I think selling him should be looked at the end of the season, see if his scoring boots come back. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. I hope so. Peter B. Young, I wanted to see him start a game alongside Big Rom since we signed him, uh, since we signed Lukaku. I've rated him from day one with us, and I've said before, he's always put a full shift in. I just I can't ever see us playing that four four two again, even against lower league sides. I think it, the modern-day game has just changed so much. I think if, if it's going to be a four-four-two, I think it's going to be more likely to be, likely to be someone like um, 
uh, Naismith or Morales in that top row so they can drop in in midfield afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't see it. I really can't see it, to be honest. Barry Curran, finally, should try him first off versus Norwich, see how it goes. If no good, then bring on Lukaku. Worth a try, then we would know if he will cut it. I, I, I'm not sure whether just one half against Norwich would be, you know, like kind of make, make or break whether he will stay with us or not. But I agree. Um, you know, he scored two goals. It might have only been against QPR, but he scored them. You know, keep him in there. I think Lukaku might need a little bit of a rest. And we, we know what impact he can make coming in off the bench from what he did at West Brom last season. So, yeah, do it. And then he might come in, bully the game again like, like he can do, like he has been doing earlier on in the season, and get his form back as well. Right, OK, so that's the Yelovich issue uh, put to bed for now. But I'm no doubt that it will be there. we will hear more and more about it as the season goes on. Uh, one of the other questions was, anyone got any last thoughts on a QPR game? And we'll discuss this on this week's show. Right, okay. So, Alan Pandemic, Alan North, my mate, just shows we have depth in our defence. I think we should keep Yali in and give him a few starts with the Kako front. Yeah, and the depth in defence there, what Alan mentions, you know, as I discussed before, you got Stones and Alcaraz came in. And I think Alcaraz had had one, one little blip in that game against QPR. Uh, there was the game against uh, Stoke as well, and both of them just look so so strong, so confident, and they can both play the ball a little bit as well. So yeah, definitely a bit of depth. And then you look at the bench, or you look at the players that come in. You've got Baines to possibly come back in for Oviedo, uh, and then you've got uh, Hibbo who could possibly come in for Coleman, uh, and Heiting is still there at the moment as well. Uh, Gary Joyce, I'm not sure if this is a little little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, should Seamus be given a chance up front? His goal scoring rate and quality of finishing, particularly his goal against QPR, is currently better than most centre forwards in the English Premier League. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think his hold up play would possibly be up there, but you know, his goal scoring, as you say, up there, up there at the moment. Matty Vickery again, good strong team performance. Very impressed with Stones and Alcaraz. Was also pleasing to see Yella bang two in. Stones needs to teach him how to take a pen out, though. <laughs> yeah. Get in there, Stonesy, and teach him. Um, get it under the bar next time. I would have liked to have seen him just blast it, but there you go. If it would have, if, as I said before, if it would have gone in, we would have all been saying, you know, what a penalty. Uh, Dan Empson, who's a listener from the States, uh, it's great to see so many players on the fringe of the first team making a case for regular inclusion. With Jags and Distan out, it could have been a real problem, but the lads come in, have fitted into the team very comfortably, and are only going to provide serious competition for those places once everyone's fit. Talking about serious com- competition, I'd like to mention Oviedo. I know your lads commented on the last podcast that it was unfortunate to be dropped and it looks like he's put in another decent performance. The question is, can you play him and Baines together? PNR has been hit and missed this season, so has Oviedo got a case for a regular start left midfield? Just to, And just as a final point, how shit with QPR? And I'll just mention Bosman Bungle Boz D-Man's comment. Because uh, it talks about Javier as well. To be honest, I think Javier was a better player than Baines now. If he's played them both, why not slip Baines up to left mid? Could be dangerous for the opposition with Baines hanging around their area all game. And I think both of you have got a point there about Oviedo. Uh, and I'm just not too sure if it's a little bit of a wasted pick. Because at the moment, we're playing this formation which we have uh, discussed is a little bit like a 5-3-2 but with only two in the five if that makes two central defenders in the five and then the wing backs kind of pushed up further because when we've got the ball our centre backs push up uh, quite wide so they'll be like the centre like the le- uh, another an additional left back and right back so then the left back and right back push forward which is why Seamus is having so much joy at the moment push up as almost a right midfielder uh, so if you, uh, if you've got Baines and Oviedo in there on the left, you've got Baines or Oviedo on the left mid, and then whoever's ahead of them will have to go in field. And I just don't think I, I don't think it's worth it to be honest. I think it would better have an, uh, a more central player in that position. Um, 
you know, somebody who can come double as a central player. So, you know, you've got your Morales or Osman or Pina who can play make and, you know, dictate the wing, uh, the, 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 the wing back or the left back or the full back, dictate where they go up and down the line. I don't know. I mean, it could work. You know, I mean, it would it would be good to have Bainesy on the box. You know, for a rebounds coming out because that left foot. You know, I think he'd get a few this season, as uh, as Coleman is. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the final question. It's, it's hard just talking on your own. It's. Uh, I feel like well, I'm just talking non-stop. Normally, it's uh, obviously me and Mark discussing. So just reading these, the final question, and I'll do this now because it's part of our social media kind of thing. Uh, before we go on to the, in the Norwich game, I'll have your thoughts on the Norwich game and then I'll give my thoughts on it after that. So the final question, anyone got any thoughts on the upcoming Norwich game? Team selection question mark. Uh, first, first comment is from Greg Wallace. I think Jelovic should be given another chance after Saturday's performance. And Alan, Alan Northing, Alan Pandemic again. Jelovic, Oviedo, Stones and Alcaraz should be in the starting eleven. Maybe try a 4-4-2. And then just as an aside kind of thing, I hear Moyes is interested in taking Gibo back to Manu. Richard Roberts, try Jelovic again and play Oviedo instead of Pinar. Uh, Michael Hawthorne, play Jelovic. Offers a lot more off the ball than Lukaku, even when not playing well, but deserves a chance to prove he's got his touch back. Uh, Matty Vickery. Uh, this is his uh, lineup, I think. Howard, Coleman, Stones, Alcaraz, Baines, Morales, Barry, McCarthy, Pina, Barkley and Lukaku. Lukaku will have benefited from the rest, but Jelovic will deserve a, a, a run out after the QPR game. Uh, Tom McGarhan. His uh, thoughts are simple. It says, just win it. That's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll have that. I'll have that, Tom. Michael uh, Blakey. Jelovic should start. If he doesn't, he has no future. Rom is off the boil. So if, if I'm Jelovic and he starts ahead of me, I've got no chance in the future, so I'm off. Yeah, you know, that could it could spell the end for him if he doesn't, so we'll see. Uh, David Palmer. How can the country's second-highest goalscorer be replaced by Jelovic on the back of a one-sided affair against QPR? Yeah, again, it's only QPR. I, mean, I know they're chasing the championship. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, just I don't actually. I don't know. I don't know where I feel about. It. I, th- I think you'd be unfortunate to get dropped. Uh, Barry Curran, all out attack and try to bury them early so we can relax and enjoy it all the more. And final one, John Cross, keep the jelly man in. Also, Moyes might need a job by then. He can wipe my ass for six quid an hour. Jono, the Brisbane boy. Yeah, cheers for that, Jono. Right, and I shall leave the, the social media, leave your comments there, and I will be back with a little bit of a review, a little bit of a preview of the Norwich game coming up at the weekend. I am Ian Snowden, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. Okay, Blues, it's that time of the show again where we look ahead to our upcoming game. And this weekend, we have Norwich City coming to Goodison Park. Earlier on the season, when we went down there, it was a 2 all draw. And most people remember it for introducing Ross Barkley to, to the world, really. His great, uh, his great finish, which put us up um, put us up 2-1, I think it was at the time. I can't, I, I can't remember the, who, scored the, who scored the first or the second, but I know Coleman scored in a game. And then I remember Whitaker and Van Wolfswinkel scored for Norwich. Uh, and I remember us being a little bit disappointed after that game, going down there and, you know, a two-all draw. And this was at the stage where, you know, we had a number of draws around, around the start of the season and we were questioning whether this... Uh, this passing style Roberto wanted to use, whether it was going to work. 
you know, fast forward, you know, five months or so, and you know, look at where we are now, fifth in the table with a real challenge of you know not only uh, you know challenge of the Champions League, an outside chance of actually winning the league, which I, you know I don't think any of us would have thought that at that time. Uh, I'm going to pass you over for Mark's thoughts on the game because uh, he, he normally does the little bit of little bit of scouting and is one to watch. So it's back to Goodison once again this Saturday for Everton versus Norwich, uh, which is basically the reverse fixture fixture from the first game of the season where we drew two all uh, away at Carrow Road. Uh, and you might remember that uh, I think Norwich probably only had two shots in that game uh, and scored twice. The second being a massively fluky goal uh, where the lads hit it with his shin and it's landed perfectly on uh, Van Wolfswinkel's head uh, and they've scored to go uh, to all and, and take a point. Uh, the Blues down at Carrow Road. Uh, I think it's going to be a completely different story uh, on Saturday. We're a, a much better side these days. We've really got our act together uh, and I can't see anything other than... Uh, and Everton win, really. Uh, Norwich at the moment, uh, they've just come off uh, a 1-1 draw against Fulham in the Cup. Uh, in the league, though, they are struggling. Uh, I think the 15th at the moment got 20 points, but th- those 20 points put them just three above the, uh, the relegation zone, uh, with Palace in 18th at the moment. Uh, they've struggled to win games, uh, and, you know... They've drawn a few recently. I think they've drawn three of the last five, uh, but they've failed to win in the last five. And a major problem is, you know, they've only scored 17 goals this season, two of which came against Everton. Uh, so, um, you know, especially at home, the way we've been defending, even if we continue with Stones and Alcaraz at the back, who look, you know, great since they've come in uh, for Jackie Elkin and Distan, uh, I can't see anything other than a, a Blues clean sheet. Uh, and I think we'll score again. I think we'll win fairly comfortably. I'm going to go 2-0 to Everton. Uh, I expect Lukaku to score this weekend as well after uh, he's not scored in a little while. Um, man to match as far... Man to match? That doesn't even make sense. Man to watch as far as Norwich goes. Um, Mark Max man to watch this week uh, is uh, Robert Snodgrass, the Norwich number seven. Every time I see this lad, you know... I, I like what he brings on the pitch. Uh, you know, all energy, uh, committed. You know, good skill for an attacking midfielder. Uh, tends to play down sort of, you know, either one of the the wings. Uh, and ever since he signed from Leeds, I think he's been a, a great player for Norwich. Uh, and he's someone you know I wouldn't mind Everton having a look at. Really, uh, I think he scored three goals this season uh, in all competitions, which I suppose you could probably say. You know, when coming up to something like 20, you know, or 15 appearances, you know, maybe that's not enough. Um, but, you know, good player, good attacking player, and probably could cause us problems. Um, but I'm sure, you know, either Bainsey or Aviedo, if he plays down the right, or or Coleman, if he plays down the left, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to look after him, uh, as long as he doesn't cut inside too much. Um, but yeah, as I say, uh, predicted 2-0 win to Everton, uh, and I think onwards and upwards for the Blues. As far as the team lineup goes, I think obviously Howard will come back in for Joel. I think Baines will come back in for Oviedo. You'll see the centre-back pairing of Stones, Alcaraz again, and Coleman continue at right-back. I think the central midfield partnership of McCarthy and Barry uh, there's no way you can split them up. I think I can't really see Oviedo uh, keeping this place or going back to that left midfield role. I think Pinar is going to come back in. I think Morales is probably going to come back in. Uh, Barkley, they're going to play that position behind the strike. I think Osman will drop back down to the bench. And I think he'll probably play Lukaku, but I hope that he plays Jelovic up top. And then, you know, with Lukaku there is an option to come on as an impact impact substitute. But as I think he will start with Lukaku. Uh, but, you know, hopefully he'll come back in after having a rest against QPR and be able to recapture that form that he had earlier on in the season. I think, what is it, is it nine, nine goals he's got? Eight or nine goals. You know, hope, you're chasing double figures. So 
you know, we, we said a few weeks ago, you know, Roberto challenged them to get 25 goals, and he, he's looking hard pushed for that at the moment. So hopefully he can come back in and fire on all cylinders and push us, push the whole squad, the whole team, and get us back in there. Uh, not that we're out of, that, out of the shout, but, you know, push us on even further. Because at the moment, you know, everyone's chipping in with goals. You've got Coleman chipping in. Uh, so Osman, Osman's uh, in and out. And Barkley's chipping in as well. So, come on. Come on, big Rom. Get back. Find your goal-scoring feet again and start dominating games like we know you can. Other than that, that's pretty much it for this week's show. Bit of a strange one, I know. It feels like I've talked for about 18 hours. And it's quite a short show. Uh, obviously, because it's only what my insight or my, my views on stuff rather than Mark's as well. Uh, we were going to do our new random feature random player feature again this week. You know, we put that out on Facebook this week and had an overwhelming response. Hundreds of people with the, you know, random player suggestions. And I think we're going to continue that actual post and do that next week instead and do a, you know, pick the best one. Not Maybe not the, the most um, the most popular one, like the best player, but the one that will be the most fun to do a profile on. You know, me and Mark will do a little bit of research. Maybe not just on Wikipedia. Maybe we'll just do, use Wikipedia and maybe do a little bit, if it's a player who's no longer with us, do a little bit of a where are they now, which I think might be quite fun. As always, I want to thank everyone for listening. And as always, I want to say, if you are listening through SoundCloud and have an Apple device, uh, you can subscribe to us in the iTunes store. Just search Not Bitter, Just Better. Uh, and we are also on Stitcher. Again, search Not Bitter, Just Better. And so you can... Uh, you can add our podcast there as a favourite to listen to on the go. If you, you're connected on the Wi-Fi, you can download it and then listen on the go uh, like you can do with um, iTunes. So hopefully we will return next week. Me and Mark both together. I think he's back to his normal shifts next week, so we'll be able to do it and you won't have to just listen to me, just me waffle on and we'll have our usual hilarious comedy moments or not. And yeah, hopefully... We'll be talking about the win. Catch you next week, Blues. Have a good one. Come on, you Blues. Well, I can't wait to listen to the podcast this week to hear how Johnny's got on. Um, I'm sure he'll have been fine. I'm sure he won't have made a mess of it. And I'm sure he'd done a lot better job than uh, if I was doing it on my own. Um, so hopefully I should be back next week uh, to bore the listeners, uh, you know, as I usually do. And uh, hopefully there'll be another three points in the bag. Uh, We'll see you next week.